0: I was diagnosed twice. The first time was not enough for me. I needed to see even, you know, bigger um, specialists, just to be sure. That's why by describing this, even mundane things sometimes, it just brings a bit of confidence for the people right before their diagnosis or right after because we are still having doubts after.
1: Richard Branson, Michael Phelps, Justin Timberlake, James Carville. Wait a minute, where are the women? Greta Gerwig, Lisa Ling, Audra McDonald, Simone Files. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of industries. They all have ADHD, but you don't hear much about that now, do you? You know what else you don't hear about? Are the 43% of people with ADHD who are in excellent mental health. Why aren't we talking about them and what they're doing right? I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka, and that's exactly what we do here. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, and now the author of my new book, ADHD for Smart Ass Women. I'm also a certified ADHD coach and the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a patented system that helps ADHD women just like you get unstuck and fall in love with their brilliant brains. Here, we embrace our too muchness and we focus on our strengths. My guests and I credit our ADHD for some of our greatest gifts. And to those who still think they're too much, too impulsive, too scattered, too disorganized, I say no one ever made a difference by being too little. Hello, I am your host, Tracy Atsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 251 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter over at TracyOtsuka.com. You know, my purpose is always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it. And in the thousands of ADHD women that I've had the privilege of meeting, I've never met a one that wasn't truly brilliant at something, not one. And so, of course, I am just delighted to introduce you to our guest today. We would say Alice Gendron. Gendron. You pronounce it. I've tried a couple times and I keep <laughs> massacring it. It's okay. Alice Gendron. <laughs> it's just so much prettier that way. Alice Gendron. Alice Gendron. Was that even close? It's perfect. Oh, you're just being polite. Anyway, let me give you a little bio before we start. So, Alice currently lives in Bordeaux, France, and she spent most of her childhood doodling in class. After high school, she tried a lot of different things and finally settled on work as a freelance writer for websites and marketing agencies. But her struggles managing her workload were what led to her diagnoses at the age of 29 and her popular online platform, The Mini ADHD Coach, which has over a half a million Instagram followers, as well as her brand new book of the same name, The Mini ADHD Coach, Elise's funny and relatable illustrations are loved around the world. Elise, welcome. And did I get all of that right?
0: Yes, it was perfect. Thank you, Tracy. I'm so glad to be here with you. Well,
1: I'm so glad that you're here. So we always start this podcast out, all of our guests do, talking about their ADHD diagnosis. So I'm wondering if you can tell us, we have a general idea what the circumstances were, but can you talk a little bit about the diagnosis?
0: Yeah. Oh, actually, you know, it's one of my favorite subjects uh, to talk about the moments right before and right after the diagnosis. I think it's, it's so important to talk about this. So yeah. So I was diagnosed. I was 29 when I, when I got my diagnosis. And, um, what led me to it was, uh, actually years of, of wondering what was wrong with me. Like most of, you know, ADHD women who are diagnosed later in life um just uh yeah i couldn't figure out why I, I i struggled so much with simple stuff and and why life you know adulting especially I felt so incredibly difficult and, and and challenging and um and why i kept you know paying my taxes late and and this kind of things that really made me feel like i was not a good Adults, I I would say, and so yeah, I would say that my twenties were really complicated because of of everything, all the challenges, you know, work and and just making sure you know your 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 place uh, is not falling out, and you have something in your fridge every night when you go home, and and just simple stuff, but but really challenging things uh, when you when you have ADHD and, and especially undiagnosed when you don't really understand why why you struggle so much when people around you are just uh, starting families and and having, you know, bigger and bigger jobs and responsibilities and and you are still struggling to just grocery shop and and make yourself something to eat (laughs) every day. So I would say I often describe the thing that led to my diagnosis as um, an adulting burnout, I would say. It's just, Everything was just too much. And uh, I really felt like I was really struggling to just keep doing the simple things in life. And um, I was talking.
1: Sorry. (laughs) No, no. Can I ask you, Elise, though, despite the fact that you were struggling with a lot of the things around adulting, did you always feel like there were certain areas that you were just really good at? They just came naturally to you and it was easy. Or had you not found that yet?
0: I would say I, I, you know, my parents did a really good job at, um, making me a, a confident child and a confident young adult, I would say. So when I was younger, it was the case. Um, I, I always felt like something were really easy for me. Um, uh, for example, I never really worked at school, but you know, always managed to have acceptable grades, I would say, but. Around my late 20s, uh, this kind of um, really fade away because I think I was really struggling with my self-esteem because I was failing at so many things, you know, over again and starting new projects and failing and starting new things and failing.
1: Were they the wrong projects in hindsight? I don't or know. was it the lack of structure, you know, versus in school and in the home?
0: Yeah, it, it was definitely difficult and also because I decided to become a freelancer because mm. I really couldn't handle, you know, the nine to five you know, it was just difficult for me to accept that I needed to be at a specific place from one moment, one hour to another and just and just accept to be here and and, 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 and you know, just obey. <laughs> It was really difficult because I, I <laughs> always had so much more interesting things to do, and and I wanted to do that. So I decided to be a freelancer, and it was great because I I could manage my hours how I wanted. But at the same time, it was really difficult because all of a sudden I I I was my own boss, and I had to yeah put some pressure on myself and and end up maybe putting too much of it and. So you had to create your own structure, right? Yeah, but I never really tried to do that. <laughs> you, you didn't even
1: know that that's what you needed to do. No. So interesting to me, Elise, that you use the word obey. Mm. <laughs> that's such a good word. Why that word? So let's back up first. And can you tell me some of the things that you felt you failed at? So from the time you got out of high school, what were some of the things that, you know, you just felt like, well, you failed at. And so you're just not good at anything.
0: Yeah, well, maybe first I was failing at uh, finding my path. Definitely. I, I was, you know, I, I started going to art school and uh, three months later I drop off and, and then I went to culinary school and I dropped off too. And, and so, yeah, it was just. Uh, I've I failed at uh, being consistent and I couldn't understand why, because when you do that one time, you know, you, you drop off and, and you, you try something else. It's okay. You know, everybody can make mistakes, but you know, when it gets to a point where you, you started, you know, 10 different career paths and, and, and studies and you feel like something is really wrong with you. Why, why can't I just stay consistent and focus on something? Because I'm still. On my first year of 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 the new thing of the new study I do, for example, and and around me people are getting
1: graduated, and and you know it's it's just this imbalance. Yeah. So I'm curious, how does someone with your talent? I'm just looking at, like, I can't even believe that you created this, (laughs) not only the words, because the beauty of to me this book is the simplicity of it which is so tapping into the ADHD brain. But then you have these adorable, you know, little illustrations. How did you fail at art school? That doesn't make any sense to me. What was it? I didn't fail. I just got bored. (laughs) So you never really fail. You just lose interest.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, maybe I would have failed because I think I was um, trying to... To fit in this, um, this idea that art is uh, complex and beautiful and needs many hours, you know, to complete a beautiful art piece. Uh, it, you must, you know, spend hours and hours working and then just making the thing extremely complicated and difficult in the end. So when I started to doodle and post my doodle online, um, I mean, it was really, interesting because i never really valued the doodle I, I i did because for me it was just the thing i did you know all my life to spend mm. the time in in school for example yeah definitely...
1: and so in art school <laughs> did they not appreciate the doodle
0: i never showed them because yeah because to me it was just like rubbish <laughs> you know it was nothing and and I needed to be able to, to draw complex portraits and you know, yeah, it, but I'm really not good at that, but I'm good at doodling. Which you'd been perfecting for like two decades, right? Yeah, I was a master at it, <laughs> thanks to high school and, and yeah, boring classes. <laughs>
1: okay, so what was Elise like as a child?
0: Oh, she was um definitely super curious, I would say, very very curious. Um I had a lot of energy too, but I was kind of a uh, a lonely kid too because uh yeah, I was uh the youngest one and um I was yeah, I was kind in of in your alone. family. You were the yeah. youngest
1: one out of how many kids? Just two. <laughs> two of you. Okay, you've a bit. sister or a, a brother. brother. Yeah,
0: so I was And
1: was he very different than you?
0: He has ADHD too, Oh. but not the same way. Ah. Extremely different. But he was diagnosed recently, two years ago. Because um, I wouldn't say because of me, but yeah, because I, I told him maybe he needs yeah. to get an assessment right away. Because but he is very different. But we are the same in many ways too. So yeah, I was uh, the little baby girl of the family, and I was really loving to. Draw and 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 play, um, yeah, and 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 put on costumes and just pretend I lived in a magical world. And but at school I was super chatty and just mm. I had issues with uh, my teachers many times.
1: <laughs> like and, what kind of issues?
0: I uh, they just felt like I was disrespectful because I was so. You know, spontaneous and, and energetic and, and, you know, they felt like I wasn't respecting the distance we had to have, you know, between a teacher and, and child. And I was just, I think because I was also confident because of the way my parents, you know, um, helped me just, yeah, be confident. And so, but with the years, you know, so I was super chatty when, um, when I was younger. And, and then in high school, I, stop chatting because you know i i I know it was um getting me in trouble Mm. so that's why when i really started to really draw and and just doodle and and you know do my thing in class and um i remember sometimes i was also just like playing video games uh (laughs) in class you know just hiding and just so you were edit. bored in school too, like yeah. in, in uh, lower grades as well. well. I don't know if I was really bored because I found ways to, you know, to get distracted with video games and and, and doodles and just things. But um, yeah, I was not really interested in what the teacher
1: was saying. Yeah, but you were able to keep up, no problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. Strangely, I I, I just you know did the bare minimum and you know, never really got in trouble because of my grades. So nobody really noticed anything. Just, you know, (laughs) yeah, it was okay.
1: Did you feel that you were smarter than your grades indicated?
0: Yeah, in a way. Yes, definitely. And also because when I graduated then in communication, I finally (laughs) got a degree at one point and uh, I was really extremely good at it. And, uh, I was uh, number one student of my class, which uh, was kind of a surprise to me. And uh, yeah, because I was just super interested in the, you know, the topic. Communication was extremely interesting to me.
1: Well, and it's so interesting because what you studied actually helps, right? In what you're doing. Yeah, in a way, definitely. So you're self-taught doodle expert. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. What do they call the... I don't know. Anyway, so you're self-taught in the doodles. Then the communications, I'm sure, really helped with what you do today. Yes, I think it did. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm curious, what did your parents do for work?
0: Uh, actually, my mother was uh, a publisher. Ah. She worked at the, at the publishing house uh, in Paris. And then she decided to quit and uh, and become a writer. And she wrote and she wrote books for kids. And uh, yeah, she she was a very creative person. And my father is um he's working for the government. So yeah, a very and very ADHD too.
1: <laughs> so do you think both parents are at least on the spectrum somewhere? Well, my mother is is no longer with us, so
0: I couldn't tell, but I think she definitely was extremely inattentive, extremely daydreamy, you know, she was really an artist. And uh, my father, yeah, he has ADHD. He doesn't want to get an assessment because he's, you know, he's older and retired and definitely don't feel the need, but but, um, he likes to tell me anecdotes about you know, how he got in trouble at work, uh, you know, losing super important papers and stuff like that and, and really freaking out and and panicking. And now he's like, oh, my God, I can finally understand why I was just such a weirdo. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's really fun to see that.
1: So your experience and I'm sure your research and your path really helped to shine a light on your whole family, right? Yeah. Where they start to understand, oh, this is why. I think, differently.
0: Yes, it was extremely beneficial. And, and you know, that's why I really started um, my Instagram account, because I felt like I was the first one to dig into this topic in my family and, and people around me, my friends and everyone. And um, I was feeling so angry in a way that... Um, I had to do all these researches myself and, and go through the doubt and find someone who can assess me and go through the shame of wondering if I was uh, just legitimate enough to ask for an assessment and everything. And all that, I just never wanted someone else to feel that again. And that's why I started to yeah you know, make content about ADHD. And as soon as I got my diagnosis, I also started to talk about it in my family a lot because, and not just about ADHD, I just felt like we need to talk about mental health a Everything. lot. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, something just changed for me and, and I just wanted everyone to feel like they could, um yeah, they could be heard and they could just open up about this thing and and feel safe and just, you know, and I felt like someone had to start this
1: conversation. And yeah, I really wanted to do that. It makes sense. So before we we leave the ADHD diagnoses, um, or just your childhood, frankly, I'd love to know, you said that your brother's ADHD shows up really differently than yours. How so? Well,
0: um, he's like, a caricature in a way because he is really you know he likes doing things that are really exciting and, and extreme like he's um, uh, a fan of skateboarding and he he traveled a lot and and just a jump off plane and just yeah you know jump off cliffs and, and just yeah just typical ADHD guy I would say I mean, so it's, it's really it's, into
1: a lot of extreme sports. and Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so, and, and really, you know, I don't know. We are really different. I'm more of um, a calm person. I am hyperactive in a way, but in a really different way and not so extreme and, and more like inner centered and then creative. And so it's really exciting to see how... We both have ADHD and at the same time, we are so different. And that's why this topic is so interesting is that we have so much in common, all all people with ADHD, but we are so different because we are still very unique individuals. And it's really important to, to remember that.
1: Well, it sounds like your brother is more the classic ADHD, right? When you think of what ADHD looks like, that boy who's bouncing off the walls.
0: Yeah. Losing, you know, keys and wallets and, and, and phones, yeah, every week and just, yeah, it's 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 funny to see that, but uh, yeah.
1: So I'm curious. You're in France, and I remember I think it was in 2012. A psychologist by the name of Marilyn Wedge, she wrote an article. And I think it was titled, Why French Kids Don't Have ADHD. And so basically what she was trying to say is there's no such thing as ADHD. And, you know, obviously she didn't believe, believe in ADHD, like it's a religion or something. Right. Yeah. And so I remember doing research around that article because I had done a podcast episode on it. And I think the, the upshot of it was ADHD was rarely diagnosed in France, yet what I discovered is people self-medicated more. Mm. So the fact that it wasn't diagnosed as a child came out in all different other ways, right? So I am curious, what is this? I mean, this was back in 2012, so over 10 years ago. Uh What's going on in France today? Is there still this idea that, oh, there's no such thing as ADHD, or is it slowly coming around? Yeah, it's
0: getting better. Yeah, fortunately, because we really need a change here, but, um, um, it's, it's slowly getting, getting better, but it's a cultural thing. I think we have really, um, when you go, uh, to see, um, a psychiatrist in France, most of the time it will be someone who is doing psychoanalysis and, you know, really trying to make you talk and uh, make you talk about your past and your traumas and everything. But, and it's really interesting. It's something that, you know, has value. But they often really don't believe in ADHD. It's really perceived in, in France as a, an American thing. And actually, I was just, yeah. you know, on the phone earlier today with my aunt, which she is um, a psychologist, but she's, you know, older. So and and I talk about her. Um, I talked to her about my book, which was getting out in French um, yesterday. So very exciting. And she, yeah, she she said something like, "Oh yeah, ADHD, like yeah, this American thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's from the U.S.
1: And we have we manufactured this... it here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's it's there is really this vision." It's changing, but it's still, it's still around. Of, um, it's this thing that American people, you know, have and, and, and they, they like to tell kids that they have ADHD so they can, you know, um, give them really strong drugs. And, you know, it's, it's all this American big pharma thing. And it's really mainstream belief in France still. So. We are fighting against that. It's not, it's not easy. Um, but I think it will get better. And yeah, but as I told you, my book is just getting out in France and I see people are just buying it in a, in a way. It's just, they, they need it so much because, um, we don't have anything like this here. Uh, it's really, for example, my bookshop, uh, in my the biggest bookshop in my town in Bordeaux, and uh, they still label, um, you know, the category for the books for ADHD as just hyperactivity. It's it's the labels. It is you know to to find the books. It's just hyperactivity. The category is hyperactivity. So
1: so so there's yeah. no category of ADHD, is what you're saying. No, for for them it's just yeah. It's if you if
0: you are looking for a book about ADHD, you will find it under the section. Hyperactivity,
1: so yeah, okay, it's it's weird, and you know it's a it's a big bookstore, so that's super exciting though. If there's nothing out there, and you're leading the charge, I try to, yeah, but no, I'm not alone because um,
0: yeah, uh, for the past few years, a lot of people are trying to get the word so out there that it is something and it exists. But um, yeah, are there
1: French psychiatrists who? Are also, and psychologists, you know, medical doctors, are they also talking about this or not really? Nobody's kind of stood up and said, well, some ADHD are, is real. some are,
0: but um, it's, it's not as big as in the U.S. still. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and for example, we talked about my brother earlier and, you know, he is really like the stereotype of ADHD and he was diagnosed at 35. Wow. And because I I, I told him about it
1: and, you know. uh, So he wasn't able to find someone, though, who actually did understand what ADHD looks like.
0: Because we we still have, yeah, pretty good specialists. We need to find them, which is not Mm -mm. easy. There are not plenty of them. And also there is a big waiting list, especially if you want to see someone in the public system. and, 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 you know, in that case, you don't have to pay for your assessment, which is great. But when you have to wait two years for it, it's, yeah. you know, <laughs> free is, uh, yeah, it's great. But still, if you need to wait two years, uh, it it's can be complicated. So, yeah, but it's exciting because we, we have to do, yeah, a lot of, you know, it, it's, it's really um, a, a free canvas in, in French, in France, and, and we, there are a lot of things to do to, to improve ADHD awareness. And at the same time, I would say a, you know, the, the positive aspect of it is that we don't have as much stereotypes about ADHD because we didn't grow up with ADHD kids labeled, you know, in our right. classroom.
1: So it can be anyone. That's yeah. So does that mean that girls and women are just as likely to be diagnosed? It's not like here in the U.S. where everybody thinks it's the hyperactive boy.
0: I wouldn't go that far. But, no. uh, you know, everybody is getting diagnosed late here. <laughs> but no, kids are getting diagnosed too. And, and, and of course, um, boys are getting diagnosed uh, much more. But um, I would say maybe it's more balanced. I don't know. I don't have, you know, numbers too. But in my perception, yeah, maybe. But we'll see in a few years how it goes.
1: So if you get diagnosed in France, do they prescribe stimulant medication?
0: Wow, that's a really complicated question here. Uh, It's a complete career area. Um, It's really complicated because basically, uh, like the medication is authorized on the French market for kids, Mm -hmm. but not for adults. Hmm, Not yet. So you can get it, but it's not like, it's not really what your doctor should do if they follow the guidelines. Mm -hmm. It's not illegal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really complicated. So So it's not easy. No, you have to to have like a a very good doctor that um, knows what he's doing and he's confident in prescribing you Mm -hmm. this. Um, Because if you just go to any doctor and you start talking about stimulant medication like that, uh, yeah, they would
1: probably freak out a bit. <laughs> wow. So what do people do when they get diagnosed? Well, they <laughs> start to understand themselves.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, first and, and sometimes yeah, you can take medication. Uh, a lot of people are still doing it, but it's complicated because we don't have the same medication as you. We don't have all the options you have. Like we have, I think one or two molecules just. Allowed um. here. So yeah, it's, it's complicated. So I would say I cannot speak for everyone because it's, it really depends on if you, you know, if you go in Paris and you have like a top notch specialist, uh, you will be treated maybe just like someone in the US. Mm-hmm. But if you live like in the countryside here and you just manage to have someone, um, barely understanding ADHD, but still uh, trying to help you, maybe you. You won't get medication or you will have something, but, uh, you know, you won't have options. So, yeah,
1: it's very complicated. So you exercise a lot.
0: Yeah, and we drink wine. So. <laughs> well,
1: and exactly what my point was, you know, like the levels of alcohol use addiction are much higher. And it's not just ADHD, right? It's a lot of other mental health. Yeah. Um, challenges that are just kind of swept under the carpet. Uh-huh. Yes. And the interesting thing I remember in this podcast episode that I did was that, yes, there's this idea that, oh, there's no ADHD in France. But the fact of the matter is, ADHD has never been studied in France. So yeah. how can you say there's no ADHD, right? We yeah, just say, of course, oh, it's not here. No, oh. <laughs> doesn't cross the board. <laughs> exactly. That's a really, really, um, it's just a really interesting subject. I've been following it for a while because it's fascinating to me. Okay, so you've now been doing this for how long with the doodling and the ADHD? About three, three years now. Three years. Is that the oh. longest time you've ever done anything? Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. the difference between this versus all of the other things that you tried? What have you learned about you? Uh, the difference, the
0: first one, I would say, is the instant feedback uh, I got um, when I posted my first doodle on Instagram. Um, it was on, a, on an Instagram account that I already had about crafting stuff that I did. You know, it's an Instagram account that I I I, I, I use six months and just quit and just come back, you know,
1: because <laughs> there's no feedback
0: yeah but i have I had a community of people, like uh, one thousand people just following oh. my creative stuff uh, yeah but uh yeah it was it was not a lot, but uh it was it was really nice and super nice people. so when I started posting my doodles, I had feedback already, like people telling me in my creative community, oh but i uh, I was diagnosed last year or something like that, you know and and so I would say definitely getting this instant feedback from instagram um Really helped me keeping, you know, um, the interest, um, in and especially as, um, for the first six months, at least I posted every day.
1: Was that easy for you? Because I find Instagram, honestly, I find all the social media. I, I just, I like suck at it because of the consistency that's required. But for you, was this easy? It was. I was at such a low point
0: uh, in my life right before and right at the moment. I always say my first drawing, if you scroll back, you will find it. It's uh, just my character saying I have ADHD and it's okay. Mm-hmm. But it was like the opposite of what I, I was thinking at this moment. I felt extremely down. I felt extremely It was depressed. not okay. No, it was absolutely not okay. I was the opposite of okay. Okay. Um, Really, I, I would say one of the really, yeah, most difficult time of my life uh, was the diagnosis. Uh, I mean, first I felt relief, but then just a, a huge wave of negative emotions and I wasn't prepared for them. It, it was extremely difficult and I felt extremely sad, extremely depressed. And, uh, so I posted this, just, you know, here goes nothing and just anyways. And, you know, so, um, and, and, and things clicked and, you know, something happened. I don't know why I just, I got lucky. I, I would say, and I started posted, posted and, and, and posting. And, and every day I got, you know, I was just waking up and I got, uh, you know, the first six months of growth of my Instagram account was just through the roof. Incredible. I never saw that. I, I never, it was extremely, extremely stimulating. Six months later, I needed to, you know, cut down a bit on the publication rhythm and everything because I, I just burned out again. So I was just completely But at the exhausted. same
1: time, was there just so much positive emotion there? So it helped to get you out of that really dark time? Yeah. The
0: thing is, I kept doing it because, uh, it almost saved me, you know, from this really dark place. And so I just needed to have this connection with the community and just keeping having this positive feedback. People just, you know, commenting, Oh, I do that too. Or it's relatable. Or I, you know, it's funny and just show, you know, seeing that emotion. It was just. So good, you know, and and I felt so useless before, I think. And, and I was feeling useful again. And it was really addicting. <laughs> and yeah, so that's why I think it worked because there is this instant gratification almost. Um, but it was because I think I got really lucky with the Instagram algorithm at this moment. You know, they were really fun of carousels. And I posted carousels and so you're yeah, right. It's not the same time now. So yeah, it's, it's not, you know, it's not like I can say to someone, just do that and you know, it will be okay because no, I, I, I don't know how to, you know, um, things change on social media. And I, I think I just, yeah, I was there at the right moment.
1: And, you know, I think too, Elise, what I can relate to is, You did this first and foremost to learn about you, right? And to get support for you. But at the same time, you were helping other people. So you're both helping each other. And that's the exact same experience I had with the podcast. Mm. I started it because I wanted guardrails on my learning. And I knew that I might let myself down, but just one person. Comes to me and says, "You're making a difference in my life, and I would never let them down." And yeah. it sounds like the same thing, just with a different medium, right? Yeah, uh, exact same. And thing. so you didn't same care right. about followers; you didn't care about any of that. You just kind of kept your head down because the positive emotion, like it was going both ways, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. And you know, you just feel less lonely, and uh, yeah, it's just an amazing feeling when sometimes when someone is 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 telling you, "Oh my God, you you." You know, you really helped me. You made a difference in my life. And, and no, I can say that people really say that to me, you know, and uh, myself, I, I tried, you know, it's, it's hard to believe, but, and it's just, wow, it's such a gift to be able to do that and also to feel this feedback. And it's just, yeah. And, and it's, it's addicting. Definitely. It's, it's awesome.
1: My book, ADHD for Smart Ass Women with HarperCollins William Morrow, is now available for pre-order, and I need your help. I wrote this book to change the conversation around ADHD because I was certain that it was wrong, and I knew that because every single time I met one of you, it confirmed again what I say on this podcast every episode, that I've never met an ADHD woman that wasn't truly brilliant at something, not one. Let's help as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. Let's help as many women as we possibly can fall in love with their ADHD brain. Pre-order my book at ADHDforsmartwomen.com forward slash book. And when you do, you're going to get access to all kinds of bonuses like two live workshops with me. One, on what ADHD really looks like in women for November. Another, on ADHD stress and sleep, specifically how to get better sleep. And these are strategies that work, and they're from a former denier of the importance of sleep, who has since been reformed. You can ask my husband about that. That one's in December. You'll also get our ADHD for Smartass Women appendix, where we've curated the best books, websites, directories, and tools for falling in love with your ADHD brain, all for the cost of a $28 book. I'm super excited to share some advanced praise for this book. From Publishers Weekly, Otsuka adapts her podcast of the same name into an accessible debut guide aimed at helping women to harness their neurodivergent traits to achieve their goals. Those new to their diagnoses will glean as much valuable insight from Otsuka's strategies as from her explanations of such matters as why emotional regulation is more difficult for neurodivergent women than neurotypical women. Delivered in lucid and unpretentious prose, this is a solid starting point for those just beginning to learn about ADHD and its effects on the brain. From Dr. Edward Halliwell, author of 22 books on ADHD. She was born to deliver a message. You will see it bursting out on every page. Thanks to her, dot, 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 the textbooks are being rewritten. From Katherine Ellison, Pulitzer Prize winner and author of Buzz, A Year of Paying Attention. Tracy Otsuka's sparkling smart-ass positivity pours over these pages, powerful enough to lift the lowest self-esteem. From Dr. Christine Lee, clinical psychologist and host of the Make Time for Success podcast, Otsuka is truly the caring and wise fairy godmother of women with ADHD. And her book, ADHD for Smartass Women, is the lifeline, roadmap, guidance, and inspiration you've been looking for. You can find ADHD for Ass Women, the book, at ADHDforsmartwomen.com forward slash book. Go order it right now before you forget. I know you. I was just talking to a gentleman who I met at a conference a couple weeks ago, and he's been talking about starting a podcast on basically toxic masculinity, and he lives in Texas. Huh. and. What is inspiring this need to do a podcast or this desire to do a podcast is, of course, you know, his childhood and things that happened to him. But also he just um, had a brand new baby boy. Mm. And so he wants the world to be different for him. And what I was telling him is forget about and he's really good at tech, so he doesn't have to worry about any of that, which was hard initially. But I was telling him, just forget about you don't have the followers, you, you know, all the things, reasons why you can't do it. And focus on the fact that you need to do this. It's your voice and you need to get it out there. And it is the best self-development thing you will ever do for yourself. You think you're going out there to help other people, but you're going to learn so much about yourself in the process. And you will be a different person from the time you start to the time that, you know, I don't know, you're a year in. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah. No matter what
1: the medium, right? Yes, completely. Um,
0: I think it's really, as you say, you know, it's, it's just in the end, I think my, 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 I needed something. I, I, I needed to, I needed to find something to, to, to create something to, to just to feel something. <laughs> and, and in the end, you, you have to put it in front of other people if you want it to exist. And it's, extremely scary and and terrifying but at the same way it's just it's a bit selfish in the you know but it's in the good way I mean it's really a selfish need to just um, share your voice and it's so amazing to see that you can bring value to others and especially as we people with ADHD we struggle often with self-esteem and I definitely do and um, just the reading messages of people saying that, I yeah, I made a difference for them. It's just, <laughs> sometimes I really need these messages.
1: <laughs> so You had a string of all of the things that you needed. Could it well, also be that you needed to lead something? Because I have this premise, just, you know, we're pattern people, right? Uh-huh. And I see all of the thousands of ADHD women that I've had the privilege of meeting And all of them are brilliant at something. And because we're so mission-driven, it's not enough for us to just kind of fit into the crowd. We don't fit into the crowd. We never have, right? We need to stand out. And we stand out by leading in the area that is connected to our mission. Would you agree with that? And that seems to be where we're happiest.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know if I wanted to lead something because at the same time, I'm really shy and private person and and that's why you know so many people haven't seen my face <laughs> you know i'm it's just hiding
1: beautiful face
0: wow thank you <laughs> uh just don't make me blush <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so i i don't know if i am just but at the same time yeah i i would say um i i don't want to be this typical you know leader of something but i definitely want to drive drive my drive firstly, but also drive other people, you know, in, in you know, this thing and just take other people with me and just um create interesting things and just yeah, it's it's so, you know, fulfilling to to be able to experience that. And and at the same time I always I really think about all the people like don't really feel this feel- fulfilling thing yet because before I started this Instagram account, I felt, you know, so useless, so mm-hmm. useless and, and so, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I really didn't find my purpose and, and, and it was, Extremely difficult to live with this weight on my shoulder. To feel that useless and um, and feel like I was failing at at finding it too. You know, yeah. I was trying to find something, my thing. You know, <laughs> and 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 I couldn't. And I tried, and I couldn't. And I tried, and I failed. And I think right before I started this, I I was really not far from giving up completely. You know, just saying okay. Maybe I just don't have something to bring to other people. I I cannot bring value to other. I just I will live my life just like this, and you know, it was depressed. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but I keep thinking about um, these people who are uh, in my comments, in my DMs, and telling me I am in a dark place because I feel useless. I feel like I'm not able to keep doing something I'm unable to stay consistent and I just I feel like a waste and yeah and and I know that I was lucky I think I was lucky I, I couldn't really explain how it worked why I, I finally found you know my path and 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 I feel better now and um yeah I just um I
1: have a lot of empathy for you know all those who are a bit what I would add though And someone's going to get really angry when I say this, but we also make our own luck. So you decided to try this, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden it worked. And I keep coming back to your word obey. And then the other side of that is lead. And when you're doing what you're doing with your Instagram account, you're not obeying anybody, right? Right. You're doing what you want to do, except for maybe when you wrote this book. I mean, that's what was so hard for me about writing a book is, you know, you have publishers and acquiring <laughs> editors and editors. And, I, I mean, it's been yeah. decades since someone told me what to do, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can agree on that. They thought they're there because they've done this before. They know how to do it. But still, like, I could just feel myself, like, doing this,
0: you know? Ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Especially when, you know, you've been doing something like like I do, like just doodling around and just nobody's really telling me, oh, this doodle is not right. <laughs> you know, my doodles are right because they're doodles, you know, they cannot really... Don't
1: <laughs> love my doodles, right? Yeah, think... You know they're not right.
0: <laughs> but yes, uh, at the same time, the truth is I couldn't have done it without them, you know, because right. I needed to obey to, you know, yeah. had a deadline and stuff like that. And it also helped because uh, by myself, I try to, yeah, I tend to struggle, struggle to. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is
1: interesting. I, I keep bringing up the word obey. I could not self-publish a book because I would not obey, right? I mean, mm. it would be all up to me. And so I knew that the only way that I would be willing to obey because I wanted it to be that quality is if whomever I was dealing with was high enough. Right. Uh, So It had to be a traditional publisher because then I would respect Uh at least for the most part what it is that they're asking me to do versus if I don't if I'm constantly questioning it and I don't respect who they are, then we'd have a problem.
0: Yeah, I I can definitely relate to that. Actually, I self-published a workbook. You know, I have Mm -hmm. my pre-diagnosis workbook, which is really something that I made quite early on my Instagram journey because I was so passionate about, uh, you know, this pre-diagnosis moment when you are just full of doubt. And Mm -hmm. it was really a nightmare for me. I lived like years and months and weeks before my assessment, just doubting every moment of my life. Like, do I have ADHD? Is, is this a ADHD? Is this a yeah. symptom? No, of course, no, you don't have ADHD. You're just lazy. Just <laughs> just grow up and just, you know, in this yeah. madness in my head, it was terrible. So I decided to quite early to create um, a workbook that just um, described you know, the official symptom in a way that was just not as weird as in the official documents, which,
1: right. you know, are just. It's not like the DSM 5, which. Yeah, means... it's
0: completely weird
1: stuff. <laughs> like, uh-huh. really. Well, does it doesn't, certainly if you're a grown woman, it doesn't yeah. apply. Sits no. quietly and plays, you know, by herself. Yeah, <laughs> no, it doesn't make weird. sense. But if you tell me, oh, she goes on vacation and she can't sit still, right? She can't just no. sit by the pool like everybody else or the beach. No, yeah. we're always organizing. My kids and my family are just like, <laughs> so we have a rule. OK, I'll sit there for two days, but for every two days, sort of, I get to plan something that we do, you know, that's <laughs> like we go out and we explore and it's something different. Mm, that's math. <laughs> so why did you write this book? Because
0: people kept, you know, sending me messages and, and, and asking me, Oh, um, did you cover this topic? And, you know, and on Instagram, it's hard to find, you know, a post, <laughs> really. There is no search bar. Yeah. So I created my
1: website where everything you can find everything too. But, um, and it's organized. I didn't see that. So all the posts are organized according to categories on your website or? Yeah.
0: You can find definitely different categories and different topics and also you can search. So that's convenient. But I really wanted to, I, I, I saw that people really liked the experience of, you know, scrolling through my post on Instagram. And I, I think, you know, we still need tangible objects, even if we are living in a really digital yeah. world. And, um, I really wanted to, give people something that they can hold and just open you know just anywhere and read two sentences and feel better and just put the book not where it belongs because you know it's ADHD so just on the couch and I don't know where are my on glasses the kitchen counter and yeah and just um I think because I I, I was brought up in a, a household where books were such a big thing because of of my mother and. Yeah. And I just love books, you know, I I I have a lot of them. I haven't read them all, but that's, you know, I just I just yeah, it's it's just such a good feeling to just sometimes you, you you just feel less lonely with a book. And that's really what I wanted to create and um just give a bit of comfort, I think. It's really that an ally and
1: had you always I mean you have a mom. Who's a writer? Who was a writer? Yeah. Had you always thought I want to write a book, but maybe you didn't know on what?
0: Yeah, I think I, I always wanted to write, but I I I, I imagine myself more as a yeah, a, a novel writer or something. You know, just imagining a story, and just completely weird, you know, exciting story that could become a a movie. If I don't know. But not really that serious. But I was writing, um, as, uh, yeah, it was my, my, my job, but I was, as a freelance writer, you know, that I was writing about different topics on the internet, not really, you know, high quality writing. But, um, yeah, I think I always imagined myself, but maybe when I was older, you know, as a, as an old lady publishing,
1: yeah, a romantic novel or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I think your your publisher mom would have been so proud.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah. Sorry. So <laughs> don't start it. Please. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I just lost my mama. So okay. <laughs> what are the ADHD traits that you feel are responsible for your success? Sorry, I didn't mean to make you do. It's okay. It's okay. I'm
0: Didn't so sorry. You hear
1: the
0: yeah. 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 <laughs> I would say, in a way, um, my inability to become a good, you know, artist and, and, and a good drawer because, um, I couldn't, you know, keep focusing on, on technique helped me develop this way of drawing that is, uh, really extremely simple and, and, and childish. But at the same time, I can see that it conveys a lot of emotion and, and really the simplicity of it make it quite universal, I think. And so, in a way, it's just um, an accidental talent, I would say.
1: Is there anything else? Uh,
0: my curiosity, I would say, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we are driven by novelty and, and dopamine and 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 exciting things and just um and of course um it plays a big role in 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 just um being able to make connections where other people might not do them and and you know what i really like to do is show how adhd is impacting our everyday life even in weird things like cooking yeah the way we put on makeup (laughs) yeah it's 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 really silly sometimes, but uh, in a way I I would say that a neurotypical doctor or, you know, medical um professional um couldn't really write this about ADHD because yeah, you know, their brain doesn't work the same, but they bring value in their way. And I thank you for I thank them for that. And uh, and they're great, but um yeah, it's just another perspective.
1: Well and I think too having a following that large again, we see patterns where I think many doctors, they don't, they're not around that many people with ADHD day to day, right? Yeah, I mean, thousands, you know, and you get all of these comments and we start seeing these patterns. Definitely. So I am fascinated. Was there something in here about how we put makeup on differently? Oh, there it is. Yes. Makeup. Oh, that's so funny. So my thing is I get so bored that I can't put makeup on in front of a mirror. So i either putting it on in the car while my husband's driving. And I love that, you know, if we have to be somewhere and we have 15 minutes to get there, I can't spend any more time than that. So it just Ooh. goes like really quick. But are there other things that we do for makeup? Mean? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I would say that's, um, you know, there is this thing that we can hyper focus on makeup and just, you know, some of yeah. some of us are like full face of makeup because, you know, you're just completely zoning out and maybe listening to a a podcast and completely like hyper-focus on your own face and just, Uh you know, and it's creative expression too. So, yeah. And um, I would say, you know, there is this and the other side is just like quick mascara, (laughs) like blurring and 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 you don't even notice. Yeah. So, you know, barely brush my teeth and and just, okay. (laughs) I'm all right. I'm late. So (laughs) yeah, I need to go. So yeah, it's it's just, and you know, this makeup section, uh, actually my publisher was like a bit skeptical, like really, you really want to talk about this small subject. It doesn't feel like super important, but I was like, um, it was one of the most liked posts on my Instagram account. Yeah. So I think yeah, well, people really like, related to it.
1: What you were saying, which is so true, I've been diagnosed three times because I kept thinking, well, you can't have done all this stuff and have ADHD, right? That is just not the norm. And so it's the little things that I discovered, like what you're talking about here about makeup or interpersonal intuition, or it's those little things that you never realized are connected to ADHD that help us to see that, oh, that's weird, (laughs) right? Yeah, Not everybody can do that. Not everybody does that. That
0: Definitely. And I I completely relate. I was diagnosed twice. (laughs) So yeah, the first time was not enough for me. I needed to see even, you know, bigger um, specialists too, just to be sure. Um, So much doubt. And yeah, I think um, knowing the little things and that's why, you know, I I watched a lot of YouTube channels um, at the time um, of, yeah, women explaining how did. I really wanted just to, I could have paid someone just to take me with her in our daily life just to observe how her a d h d would manifest in our yeah. daily life just just to understand you know because when you are in this position of doubt, it's really difficult to to figure out you know what is a d h d what is not and and what you are maybe just imagining and and you know yeah it's it's really complicated, so I hope that um, by describing this even mundane things sometimes, um, it just brings a bit of confidence um, for the people who are right before their diagnosis or right after, because we are still having
1: doubts after. Yeah. So yeah. So what do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is?
0: I would say self-understanding. Uh yeah, and and just I would say that the key is that there is no really one key and you need to find your own key. And um, I really emphasize on the fact that we are all extremely different and what is very important to do is to try things. And because we, especially when we are diagnosed later, we spent our life not trying to do the thing our way and trying to fit in and, and do the things the way we have to do it. And, uh, so the big thing for me is just allow yourself to try to do the things the way you do. What is important is the outcome. Uh, and really if you need to, you know, do the dishes, um, you know, just, I don't know, dancing around and then just, uh, <laughs> I don't know.
1: Listening to podcasts. Yeah. Just <laughs> making a mess or and just music. doing your thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, with a uh, really uh, strong coconut smell, a uh, dish soap. I don't know. Oh my gosh. It's so important what the dish <laughs> yeah. soap
1: is. I'm sorry. Right.
0: <laughs> so yeah, whatever. Just do your thing and, and, and just feel confident on the fact that you, you are allowed to do the thing the way you want. And, and, and if you don't find the way that is working for you at uh, the first time, it's okay to try something else. And. If something is working and then not working and then it's working again, it's okay too. I mean, we are not robots. So, and I think the only way to achieve that is just to really develop this self awareness and, and, yes. and this relationship to ourselves and being able to assess our needs, assess how we feel, how we do, and just, you know, constantly just iterates on this thing and, and tries an error. And yeah, so
1: there is really, that's one key. No, nope, I couldn't agree more. So, Elise, where can people find you if they want to know more about you and what you do? They want to buy your book. Where do they go for all of this?
0: So they can find me on Instagram, of course, uh, the Mini ADHD Coach uh, in English and um, on my website, miniADHDcoach.com and there is a lot of things there, a lot of articles about um, ADHD and my book there, my pre-diagnosis workbook too. And also we have a section about diagnosis uh, journeys interview where people are explaining how they came to their diagnosis. And, you know, what made, um, really the question you asked me, you know, what, what was the sign where there were kids and everything. And so I think it's really it's really nice to be able to read, you know, these interviews and and, and just um feel like you're not alone when, when you are wondering if you could have ADHD or when you are just diagnosed. So
1: yeah. That's wonderful. Just so everyone's clear, the Instagram is the underscore mini underscore ADHD underscore coach. Yeah. And so if they go to Instagram, they will find the links for everything else, including the book there. Yes. Elise. thank you so much for spending time with us here today.
0: Thank you, Tracy.
1: Absolutely. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Elise, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths, just like Elise, the doodle queen. And of course, your reviews really help in that regard. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. Come join me over at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka. Join us at adhdforsmartwomen.com, where you can find more information on my new book, ADHD for Ass Women, and my patented Your ADHD Brain is AOK system to help you get unstuck and fall in love with your brilliant brain.